we all know that platforms like YouTube and Instagram are taking the world by storm. We all know that some influencers and businesses are using them to reach millions of people around the world. But the big question is how? How do you start from scratch? How do you grow an audience? How do you break through the noise in some of the most celebrity-dominated channels there are? Well, today I'm bringing you an interview with one of the smartest social media influencers in the world, Sunny Leonard Doozy. And she's taking you behind the scenes of how she started from scratch and built her brand on YouTube and Instagram and used them to not only gain the attention, but the, the, the trust, the following of millions of people. In this episode, we go deep into how each platform works. We talk about where it's useful, how to stand out, and how to gain the most valuable commodity online, the trust and respect of your audience. It's an amazing interview. We go into so many important things. Let's dive in. I'm John Morrow, and this is Breakthrough the Noise. A podcast about rising above all the noise out there, all the endless ads and content and notification and get people to pay attention to you. Not just for a moment, not just for one poster video. On this podcast, you'll learn how to create lifelong fans who hang on your every word so you never have to break through the noise again. Hello everyone, this is John Morrow here, and today I am with Sunny Lenarduzzi. Did I pronounce that right, by the way? You nailed it! I Thank nailed you! It. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Okay. Um... And uh, I, I'm so excited about this interview because I've known Sunny for a few years now. We met at a, an event in Austin, Texas, and I've just watched your growth and been so impressed by everything you've done on YouTube, Instagram, with your email list and your brand as a whole. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're most welcome. And one of the things that has always impressed me the most about you is how you've really prioritized the sort of authentic region connection mm -hmm. with your audience that it hasn't been about the vanity metrics. Like you're not, you know, bragging about the number of subscribers or the number of likes or whatever. You're really looking at how many people am I reaching? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to being an authority or even breaking through the noise, I mean, ultimately, getting people to listen to what you have to say and connecting with them on a regular basis is how you develop the influence to Absolutely. sell your products and services or whatever it is you want to accomplish in the world. Um, so I just wanted to dive into that and just have sort of a free-ranging discussion about that. I so, love I mean, it. How is that? Because that's something that's changed. Has that been deliberate from the beginning or did you just sort of stumble into that at some point while you were growing your brand? Um, no, I think it's kind of been a constant for me since I started in this weird little online world, <laughs> mainly because I truly 
got into the online space by accident. Um, I didn't ever intend to have the kind of business that I have now. And um, it all sort of started when I had this offline agency where um, I was working with people on like managing all of their social platforms. And also I was responsible for driving revenue via social media for mm -hmm. all of my clients. And so I was working with everything from like restaurants to authors to these massive corporations. And I did that for five years. And so I think I trained my brain in that time to understand the importance of going deep with people to really create conversions, I guess, as mm -hmm. opposed to trying to get those vanity metrics because I watched um, accounts or other agencies going after just like buying likes or buying vanity metrics, et cetera. And then seeing how detrimental that is in the long run, because you would have all of these like followers, let's say on something like Instagram that you had purchased or done it in a really inauthentic way. Mm -hmm. And then when you post something on Instagram, you get no traction or engagement because those people that you've bought to follow you are bots or they're not real accounts and therefore they're not engaging with your content. That tells the algorithm on Instagram, like this isn't good quality content. So I think strangely, I sort of just innately trained myself to be this way because I had to do it for other people and other companies first. And I was constantly having to prove the ROI at a time. This is back in 2010 when no one was really using social media yeah. for business. Like people were like still trying to figure out what Facebook even was. And Instagram was not even a thing at that point, which is wild to think about now. But my sole responsibility was cross-platform, whether it was Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. I had to prove that what I was doing and what I was putting out into the world was actually deeply connecting with people who are consuming it enough to where they were actually going to take action on whatever it was that you were offering to them. Um, so I think that's always been more important to me. And, and I often harp on this with our clients is that I care so much more about metrics like retention and reach than I do about likes or followers. Um, simply because if you can get people to actually sit, stare, watch, or read your content, you're going to have a deeper impact than them just being in a scroll hole and arbitrarily liking your content. So I think that's just always been my, my metric of success is are people actually taking the time to consume what I'm putting out into the world? And if they are, that's my measure of success. It's not about the number of views. It's how how much attention people are actually paying to what I'm doing. So you, you mentioned that two of those metrics that you watch are retention and reach. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that I've been thinking about, and the reason why I've even started looking at YouTube and Instagram, even though I'm more of a writer, is that ultimately, like when you send out an email, to the world. Um, I mean, we have a pretty big email list. It, we might send out an email to 90,000 people, right? But what, what people don't realize when they hear that huge number is, well, what percentage of the people actually read the email and right. click, right? <laughs> um, so out of that 90,000, I mean, when you get a big list, so like 18, 20,000, may open the email 20 maybe even 25 if it's a really good email and then out of those people you know maybe something like five thousand will click the links mm. something like that so you're actually only getting like definite engagement with five thousand out okay. of ninety thousand people 
Yeah. Um, and you're maybe getting a little bit more with the people who opened it, but didn't click. Um, and with social media, you have similar sort of metrics. So like with YouTube, you have a subscriber, but just because they subscribed doesn't necessarily mean they're going to watch your video. And also if they watch your video, I imagine like watch time would be something that you would, you would pay attention to. Yeah. So influence. I, yeah, we have, um, I call them our metrics that matter. And this is what we work with our clients on. And we particularly are focusing on YouTube when we talk about this, but these metrics do work across the board. They might just be called something different on other social media platforms. But for us, when it comes to YouTube, the metrics that you really need to be paying attention to in order to grow are um, your CTR. So that's your click-through rate, because if no one's clicking on your video, then you're not going to get the rest of the metrics. So often people overlook this, but you want to be aiming for a 10% click-through rate or above. Anything okay. between 2 to 10% is, is good um, by YouTube standards, but obviously the higher the better, because the more click-throughs you get, the more people actually consume your content. So your click-through rate, it really depends on things like your thumbnail, your title of your video, and the first line of your description, because that's all people have to base their decision to actually click on your video to watch it off of. Um, so your CTR is really important. And then from there, your retention. So if somebody clicks on your video, great, but are they actually watching it? So anything above 40% is actually considered good on YouTube. Um, but the bigger thing than that is when you're looking at your retention graph, it should be a pretty straight line. So if you ever see a dip in your retention line, that's really obvious. It's telling you that there's maybe a glitch in the video there. You said something that was off-putting to your viewers, um, or there was just something that made them click off. So you want to really investigate that and figure out what did I say at that particular point of the video for people to click off. Um, and if you're getting lower than 40% retention rate on your videos, you want to look into like, is your intro too long? Are you explaining why somebody needs to watch the video for too long? Are you taking too long to get into the meat of what people are actually there to consume from you? Um, so that's another really big thing. So CTR, retention, watch time. So that's cumulative watch time that the video uh, accumulates on your channel. So the amount of people and how long they're watching the video for, you want to check that out because um, that leads to more authority in the algorithm. And I always say that watch time really is king. Um, and then you're looking at things like how many subscribers did this video gain my channel or how many subscribers did this video lose my channel? Because that's a really good indication of if it's something that resonates with your audience. Um, how many views did I get in the first 24 hours and how much velocity did, did I get? And there's a really helpful graph on YouTube that actually shows you this like gray area of your average range of velocity. And then you'll have a blue line indicating that specific video. And it'll tell you if you're above average, below average, or like right on track for what you would normally get as far as your views within the first 24 to 48 hours. And I imagine the key with all of these metrics is, I mean, number one, to look at them. Like a, a lot of people listen to this and they were probably thinking, wow, I thought I just had to turn on my camera and like post it. <laughs> you mean that's yeah, not all I have to do? Um, I know, it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's the first piece is realize there are metrics and they mean something. And YouTube cares about those yes. when they determine whether they like put your content in searches or yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if you just think about it on like a very logical level and on, on, on a business standpoint, YouTube is, it likes to categorize content and they like to know where to put you because it is, I always say it's an art and a science. And so 
they need to know that if they're positioning you in a certain category with your content and you're putting out this content, but nobody's actually clicking on it or watching it from a business standpoint, they're like, okay, why would we push this video out into suggested results or search results if nobody's actually giving it traction from the existing audience that it has? So that's basically telling YouTube where to put you in and also how far to push you out into the algorithm or whether or not to put you on the browse page um, or the homepage of YouTube so that more people can see you. So the metrics, are, I always say to people, like, if you're not paying attention to your metrics, you will not grow. And so many people put so much emotion into social media and they're like, oh, people just didn't like my post or people just didn't like my video, etc. It's not about that. It's about understanding the data behind it so that you can make informed decisions about how to better create content moving forward and also which which pieces of content are you creating that are actually driving the most subscribers and the most views and the most engagement. And those are the topics that you basically want to double down on and continue to create more of because it's growing your channel faster. And I'm guessing when you're a beginner, what's going to happen is it's going to be very hit and miss. For sure. You're going to get it wrong a lot of the time. But the key is looking at those metrics and realizing, whoa, this didn't work. Let's not do this again. Yeah. Let's do this other thing. Yeah, we refer to the first eight videos as your testing phase. And I think there's so much analysis paralysis that goes into creating content for people. And I get it. It's scary. You're putting your yourself out there and you're showing up on this, you know, stage where there's 400 of hour, hours of video that's uploaded every minute. And there's, you know, billions of people watching the content on this platform. So it feels very daunting, but you also can't, you don't know what's going to work unless you actually put your content to work. Like unless you post that first video, you have no feedback, you have no feedback loop, you have no data to go off of. So you have to put it up there. So we call the first eight videos, the testing phase. And of course you want to cut that learning curve in half by actually understanding like, what does work on the platform? Which keywords should I be tackling for who I'm trying to attract and all that stuff? And that's why the methodology that we teach is called the sunny system. And the sunny system is based off of researching before you record. So the most labor intensive part of creating content on YouTube is actually what happens before you even film the video. And that comes down to understanding where do you want this video to show up? Who do you want to see this video? What's the outcome you want your viewer to have? And how are you going to get it to be seen in amongst the 400 plus hours of video that are uploaded to the platform every single minute? That's really one of the things that I see across platforms. So even with something like um, written content with SEO, actually the amount of time people spend on your site. Yeah. the the number of articles they read is a huge gauge of Google basically saying, how good is your content? Yep. And if people are coming to your page and then they're immediately leaving in large droves, like 90%, then Google is going to say, well, this obviously must kind of suck. Yes. Therefore, we shouldn't rank it. And send I think more that's the technical term is the algorithm's like, this kind of sucks. Yep. <laughs> And it's the same idea across all of the channels that they want to distribute content that is engaging people and keeping them on the platform. 
Yeah, yeah, of course, because that leads to their overall business goals of getting more ad revenue, having more eyeballs, having more traffic, like all of their metrics that matter to the business growth for Google and for YouTube and for any other platform. It's all about retention at the end of the day. Like even on Instagram, the longer somebody, I call it the stop, stare and read factor on Instagram, because the longer somebody stops, stares and actually takes in your content, that's what matters and what indicates to Instagram what's actually successful content, what's valuable content. And that helps them figure out if they should be pushing that onto the popular page and be, be putting it higher in the feed. And one of the things that I didn't realize with Instagram until maybe about a year ago is that one of the things that actually has a huge effect on that, at least as far as posting, I mean, yes, there are video posts, now there's IGTV, but there's also your captions yes just what you write in your captions yeah and that was one of the things i noticed about you is that you've been posting a lot less and doing longer sort of value-driven captions yeah in a lot of your posts yeah my whole philosophy on instagram has changed a lot um, over the last year, I, I call it my um, post less, reach more strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because the feed is a really interesting place and the, the rules of engagement on Instagram have changed so much that I noticed when I was active still. So I, would, I still use stories pretty much every day mm -hmm. because I think it's such a valuable way to communicate with your audience and engage with your audience. And also it's been an amazing driver for our business to be on stories. Um, but your feed is where your content lives forever. And so I am very intentional with the content that I put onto my feed because I want to make sure that it's something that is worthy of being there. It's like buying a house versus renting a house kind of for me. So I make sure that anything I post onto my feed, I do the same thing as I do with YouTube. I do the research on it. I make sure I have the right hashtags that are going to categorize in the right places to get more eyeballs on it. Um, I ensure that I'm sharing it onto my stories so that I'm getting more eyeballs that way as well. And I'm getting as much engagement in the first 30 minutes as possible because that's what's going to tell Instagram if it's worth pushing further um, in the algorithm. And so I do, I put a lot of thought into the feed posts on my Instagram page, just as much thought as I do for my YouTube content. And I think the other thing for me too is I know that you talk a lot about cutting through the noise. And what I've found is that I went from posting every day on Instagram to posting like, sometimes I don't even post for a whole month um, on my feed, but I'm active every day on my stories. And what I noticed is that my reach skyrocketed when I was more intentional, when I posted less and hence where the name post less reach more came from because people were excited to see my content and you do cut through the clutter when you are harder to get, I guess. And I always equate everything kind of back to dating. But if you're always available, if you're constantly posting and you're constantly like screaming into the void of content on social media, your message gets lost. So I would rather post once a month and have people excited about it than post once a day and have people just scroll past it. Yeah, if you're posting... Once a day, you're like that needy guy or girl who's texting all the time. So, exactly. Please pay attention to me. It's please uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Rather than posting when you genuinely have something valuable to post. Exactly. I mean, I imagine if you were a person, I'm not one of these people, but if you were a person either on YouTube or on Instagram, 
that had something genuinely incredibly valuable to share every day, it would probably work even better. But that's just not humanly possible. For well, most. that's, yeah, that's the thing too, is like, I think when it comes down to it, we have really gotten confused with what matters when it comes to social media. And for me, at the end of the day, I can't take followers or likes or vanity metrics to the bank. And so I run a business. I've grown this business multiple seven figures a year in the last couple of years. And my main focus is my clients and making sure that they're getting the best possible experience because my clients truly are the biggest key to me scaling my business. Because if Mm -hmm. they're going to speak positively about what I do, then that's really all that matters to me. And you have to be able to run your business by having money in the bank. And I think so many people are caught in a cycle of like, okay, I'm going to build my brand and then the money's just going to magically flow in. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's, that's not how it works. Like my whole strategy and everything I do and everything I teach my clients is based around outcome. What is it that you're trying to achieve? What is the hero outcome that you want your viewer to have, your client to have, and work backwards from there? That's how you really build a following who cares and actually converts. Because if you're just... I call it throwing spaghetti at the wall. I think it's because I'm Italian, but I say if you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks, it's not a great strategy to have. And you're just contributing to the noise as opposed to cutting through the noise. So what would you say guided your decision to go to YouTube and Instagram as two of your primary platforms? Did you see a bigger opportunity there to cut through the noise, to get reach with people? No, honestly, the very simple answer to it is that I have been playing on them for so long. Like I have been using YouTube for five years now consistently, um, posting one or two videos a week at this point. We now post two to three videos a week, but um, I know YouTube inside and out. I know like the back of my hand. I know what levers to pull. I know exactly how it works. And I know what content converts because I've been testing and playing with it for so long. And I've always approached everything I do with an experiment experiment mindset. So like try, test, fail, have content that does really well, have content that does really crappy because that's the only way to inform your growth moving forward. And so I think because I've been on YouTube for so long and I've been on Instagram for so long, I'm so comfortable with the platforms that I, I believe in playing to my strengths. So if I know these inside and out, I just don't get sidetracked very easily. And I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, I got to get on TikTok right now. I got to do this right now. Like if there's a new platform and like for better or for worse, you know, there's times where maybe I should have hopped on earlier, but I'm just, I'm not a big believer in hopping on the latest, greatest trend because I've been around for so long. Like I've been doing this and been working in this space since, since 2010. So it's been a decade now. And I've seen a lot of platforms come and go. And so I don't buy into anything unless it's like been around for a second. So I always secure my handle, but like YouTube and Instagram, they've stayed steady and they've maintained their pace for so long. And I know them inside and out. So I'm going to go where there's the least friction in reaching my audience. And for me, it's those two platforms right now until I feel fully comfortable moving into something else. And also kind of to your point before, like I'm one person, you know, I have a team But when I do content, that content is me. And so it's not humanly possible for me to be everywhere. And I also genuinely believe that 
I would not have experienced the growth that I have on those two platforms if I was trying to spread myself super thin. And my strategy also always was around YouTube first. Like when YouTube grew, it grew everything else for me. And then about two years into really leveraging YouTube and growing my audience to hundreds of thousands of subscribers, then I started playing around with Instagram more frequently. And I started mastering that platform, but I'm a big, 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 big believer in focusing on one thing and having that one thing grow everything else. So the differences between, let, let, let me explain what I think the differences are between the two platforms and you can tell me sure. whether I'm an idiot or not. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, and by the way, I'm the ultimate late adopter because I mean, here we are in 2020 and I really don't do anything on either platform as of right. right now. Although I'm very slowly being sold, you know, <laughs> that I should, like years after everyone else yeah. bought in. Um, so YouTube is a, is a great place to put your video content to engage with people, to really build that deep bond. Um, I imagine it's also a great way to build up a retargeting audience. Mm-hmm. on Google, for anyone who isn't familiar with retargeting audiences, is you can, and even if somebody like comes to your blog or on most of these platforms, they have this now. If people are engaging with your content, you can run an ad for relatively cheap to those people who are engaging with your content to reconnect with them over time. Right. So it's kind of like its own email list. Mm-hmm. Um so you can build your retargeting audience. And with Instagram, I mean, that's for a little shorter updates. And also stories are kind of like an email list. Mm-hmm. So Instagram is really more like an email list where you can do a story, you can say to swipe up and you can send people off of the platform with that story. Um, where YouTube, it seems like mostly wants you to keep people on the platform. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think how I differentiate them, you're very much so on track and how I differentiate them is I see, um, platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, et cetera, as what we call on demand platforms. And for YouTube, I refer to it as an evergreen platform. And so how I differentiate the two is, is that Instagram, you can instantly reach your audience and get that instant boost of virality when you make a post on there and also have the instant gratification of eyeballs on your stories because they only last for 24 hours. So people are more apt to watch. Whereas on YouTube, you absolutely can have videos that just skyrocket immediately. But the really beneficial part of YouTube and how it's been such a game changer for my business particularly is that it continuously drives traffic for years and years and years to come and continues to grow your reach, continues to grow your brand, continues to grow your email list because it's a search engine at the end of the day and it's owned by the largest search engine in the world. So if you understand how to navigate the platform and get your content seen then and, and get it ranking, then new people all over the world are going to discover you every single day. So if someone looks for, you know, how to get more views on YouTube, they're most likely going to find my video, if not a million videos that I've made on that topic. And therefore they're introduced to me every single day without me having to do new work. Whereas on Instagram and on Facebook and all these other platforms, I'm not going there looking for an answer to something. I'm going there to see what pops up in my feed. 
So it's yeah. really important on Instagram to work to the virality of the initial um, time frame when you post. And on YouTube, you want to be working in favor of, yes, let's get a huge boost in the first 24 hours of engagement because that's what's going to basically tell YouTube whether or not it's worthy of ranking and pushing in suggested results and getting you on the homepage. And if you can do that, then you're going to have results for years and years and years to come from that one video. So we call it an evergreen sales machine because it really does continue to drive traffic and sales for you in your sleep when you're not doing anything, if you make your content in the right way. So, I mean, that's really similar in many ways to the other search engine, mm -hmm. which is Google. Mm -hmm. um, and it's what I've gotten from search content. Um, I've had content that's ranked on like in the top three queries for popular terms for years. And it's literally driven millions of people mm -hmm. in. And I really stopped working on those articles years ago. And so it's like almost a sort of, it's not passive income, but it's passive audience building. Yeah. I guess is what you would say. Yeah, totally. It is. It absolutely is. I think it also is passive income. I mean, we have videos that are working for us every single day, bringing in sales and new clients and customers. Um, and we're not doing anything. Like it's just those videos continuing to work for us. So let's talk about how to monetize it because this is one of the big reasons why I resisted YouTube at first. Mm. Um, I mean, the great thing about written content and my site, Smart Blogger, is we're in control of the total experience. So when they leave Google, they come to our site, we can do pop-ups, we can do whatever we want to do as long as we're not creating a bad user experience in order to be able to connect with people and get their contact information and follow up over time. So with YouTube, I mean, let's say you do go to, it's time to create something to sell. I mean, you can create a YouTube video about it, right? Um, but what else do you do to turn the attention that you've built there into actual money? Yeah, so I mean, there's several things for sure. I mean, this really comes back to the research before you record strategy and also understanding the outcome that you want from your videos and your content and for your viewer before you create it. Because YouTube does live, the videos live on forever and they are little machines for you. And so you want to ensure that you're putting those machines to good use. And so how we do it is first and foremost, you should know the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to grow your reach? Are you trying to reach, reach a specific type of person? Who is that person? What would they be searching for? Where are they currently consuming content? What's getting the most engagement in that niche? And that will give you some clues as to what kind of content you should be creating. If you're an entrepreneur, do you get frequently asked questions? Those questions are all great video topics because they're things that your ideal customers and clients are already searching for. You just have to show up. So researching for first and foremost is really important. And also understanding that you, how I, how I approach social media is I see it as a big sea, a big ocean, and you either are going to rise to the top or you're going to sink to the bottom of the sea and never be found again. So we want you to rise to the top of the kiddie pool and be a big fish in a small pond. And so the, the only way to do that is to identify keywords, titles, topics, even hashtags if you're doing something on Instagram that have high search volume, but low competition. So many people are like, I want to, you know, talk about motivating people. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. You're going to be competing against 86 million results yeah. on YouTube. So what are you trying to motivate them to do? And in what 
area are you trying to motivate them? So even just fine tuning on that level, it helps you minimize the amount of competition. And that's what we call the search pool. So we always say high search volume, low competition, um, and then high views and velocity is another factor that we use in our formula or the sunny system formula. Um, so that's one piece is understanding like what kind of content do I need to make to get the outcome I'm trying, I'm trying to achieve. So doing the research first. And then as far as scripting goes in order to convert your clients, we use something called the hot script formula and the hot script formula stands for hook outcome testimonial going into the sequential steps of what people need to know in the video and then having two calls to action at the end. And we've been using the script for, scripting formula for a long time. It converts really well with our clients. And basically the reason that I created it was because one of the biggest mistakes that I found people were making um, across the board. And actually um, Neil Patel mentioned this on his podcast and he said that he started adapting my hot script formula for even his Instagram posts because a big mistake people are making is they're talking too much about the why in the intro of their videos or their content. And they're also talking too much about themselves in the intro to the video and the content. You kind of have to think about the fact that YouTube is a discovery platform. So if someone's discovering you for the first time, they don't have any loyalty to you. They don't yeah. care about your life story. They just need you to get to the point. So a good example of this was actually a friend of mine the other day, her toilet broke and she's living on her own and she's trying to figure out how to fix it. And so she goes to YouTube and she was telling me, she's like, I went to YouTube and I looked it up and there was the greatest tutorial on it, but I had already gone through like five where people had spent three minutes telling me why I should replace my toilet. And I'm like, hi, I already need to replace it. <laughs> Just get to the point. And I was like, that is exactly the journey that every single YouTuber needs to understand in order to actually get eyeballs and high retention on their videos is that your intro needs to be quick and to the point. So hook outcome testimonial that should be done in like 30 seconds to a minute. So what are they going to get from the video? What's the outcome they're going to get? Um, and that's how you're going to hook them. So today I'm going to teach you how to rank at the top of, um, YouTube, let's just say. And then the outcome is by the end of this video, you're going to know exactly how to uh, do your keyword research in order to find titles that actually rank at the top. And then the testimonial is I've taught people to go from zero to a hundred thousand subscribers in less than eight months with the same eight months with the same formula. So that's showing credibility that you actually know what you're talking about because there's so many people on YouTube. There's so many people who are so-called experts, but aren't actually experts. So the more credibility you add, the more people are going to be apt to tune in for the whole thing. Then you go into the steps. And then at the end you say, if you enjoyed this video, hit the like button, be sure to subscribe and share it because the more of those signals that you give YouTube of like subscribers, shares, views, et cetera, on those videos, the higher they're going to rank the video and the more they're going to push it and suggest it. And then the final piece of it is to convert them to say, if you enjoyed this video on how to get more views on YouTube, I've made a whole SEO guide for you on how to set up your proper optimization and SEO for each video so that you get more views and velocity on your videos. Make sure you grab it in the description below. So that's how you convert people to become part of your world. So get on your email list, become a customer or client. And depending on the kind of content you're making, you either want to send people directly to purchase if they're a super hot lead and it's a super hot lead kind of content. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that's more beginner based, you want to create some friction and continue to nurture them into understanding why they would need your product or service. So if I'm making a video on passive income, that audience isn't necessarily going to be super ripe for enrolling in our in our programs because they don't fully understand that YouTube is the way to get there yet. So I would then say to them, make sure that you grab my guide on X, Y, and Z, join the email list. And then through that email list and through my consistent content, I'm continuing to nurture them, to educate them on why YouTube is such a powerful platform for creating passive income.
and I guess that comes down to the sophistication of the viewer mm -hmm. is what you're looking at. I mean, for exactly. everyone who hasn't thought about this, there's in, in every market, this is true to where you start out with your most unsophisticated person yeah, and you go to your most sophisticated person and there are always way more unsophisticated people than there are sophisticated people just because it takes a lot of time and attention to become sophisticated absolutely on any given topic yeah so it's it's a kind of funnel on its own and you can create content right targeted at different sophistication levels yeah yeah and we, we call that the youtube scaling funnel is where you understand the three different levels of like beginner videos are going to get you super high views and velocity because it's a wider audience. The medium level videos are going to maybe get you less views, but they're going to get you more qualified leads. And then the bottom is your like hot, hot leads. And those videos tend to don't, they don't perform necessarily the best when it comes to vanity metrics, but they do bring in the most qualified and hottest leads that will convert the fastest for you. So I'm really curious about this. Like how does the content like the length of the videos, the type of the videos, how does that change over those three types? The length doesn't really change. Um, and I, uh, that's such a common question I get asked is like, what's the perfect length for a YouTube video? And it really depends on the subject matter because if it's valuable the whole way through and if there's no fluff or filler and you're giving people the outcome that they're looking for, they're going to have to pay attention to the whole thing. So lengthwise, I mean, anything above 10 minutes is great because it's going to contribute to more watch time on the channel, which is awesome and helps you hit metrics like, you know, becoming part of the partner program, et cetera. But, and also monetization, you get to monetize with ads 10 minutes plus because um, you get to put several ads on it. But outside of that, there really is no specific time frame. I have some really long videos. I have some really short videos. Um, but it all comes down to the value of your content and making sure that you're following the scripting formula where you're not adding more fluff or filler that's unnecessary because that's going to make people tune out. So I guess if it were like a movie, it would be the difference between these movies that kind of just drag on. Yes. Uh, and the, I mean, you could have a two or three hour movie, but if you're on the edge of your seat every single moment, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter yes. that it's three hours long. Exactly. Exactly. You want it to be keeping your audience's attention the whole time. That's, that's really the only thing to be paying attention to. And I always say like the most powerful online course you can create, the mo most powerful video you can create is one where you're focused on subtraction. Whereas I think so many people focus on like, how many things can I add into this to make it the best possible thing ever? But you have to remember that our greatest currency is time and everybody is short on time. So if you can get people from A to B, or as I like to say, from zero to hero in a very efficient manner, you're going to have more success stories from your customers and clients. And that's going to lead to even more growth in your business. And that's about, I mean, so this kind of piggybacks on what we talked about earlier with attention, that you're, you're creating all of this content, not to rack up stats, but to get a greater and greater share of people's attention yes. is ultimately what you're looking for. But eventually that attention by itself isn't worth anything unless you also gain their trust. Yes. Right. And the way that you gain their trust is by getting them to the result that they're looking for. Yes, exactly. And I think that unfortunately gets overlooked because honestly, anyone can get attention. 
anyone can create a viral post. Anyone can, you know, capitalize on trends to get more eyeballs, etc. But if you're not truly creating transformations or results for people and you're not really providing value, it's a short game. So I've always preferred to focus on playing the long game, which is maybe the less popular route because you're not going to get this like explosion of vanity metrics necessarily, but you will get a really deep impact on the people that you're serving. This was, and, and I'll just speak frankly here. I mean, this was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn in my career because I got known as the traffic guy. The guy could get more traffic than anyone else. And it really took a long time for me to realize that the way that you create real influence and real impact on the world, I mean, traffic really has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. That It's really more about how many people's lives have you changed? And most people don't, and not necessarily in a big way, could be in a small way, right? Um, so what we started doing as a company is actually beginning to track the number of unsolicited love letters we got from customers saying Mm -hmm. how they changed their life. And we started collecting those and sharing them company wide. Mm -hmm. And that changed the culture of my company. It changed the way I look at things and it redirected everything toward let's do things that get people results so that they really can move forward with their own lives. And the next time we come out with another product or the next time we publish a piece of content, they know that it's going to deliver for them. So they immediately come back. Yes. Yeah. We, we actually created um, a flywheel in my business and this is how we work with our clients. And um, when we're working with them and developing a, a high ticket online program, we explained to them that there's really just four key components to growing an online business. And if you're unfamiliar with the flywheel um, terminology, it's something that I actually didn't even know about before um, I started doing the research on it. And it's basically, it's something that you create where it takes, a, it takes effort and momentum to get it going um, and to sustain it. But once you get it moving, then it's, it starts to sustain itself and it starts to just pick up steam and grow faster and faster and faster. And so our whole flywheel as a business and what we teach our clients is it starts with your online program. That needs to be solid and you need to be delivering a transformation. And I always say people don't pay for information, they pay for transformation. Mm-hmm. So your course needs to create a true transformation. And then once you have your course at the top of your flywheel, the next step is to obviously enroll clients. You need to do sales and get people to enroll in the program. Once they enroll in the program, the next piece of the flywheel, the third piece is creating that customer transformation once they're in the door. So getting them from zero to hero. And then the final piece of it is you create true ambassadors for your programs and you create true results. And those results then turn into your greatest scaling strategy because all of those people who have seen success, they became, they become like mini salespeople for you. They become a sales force sort of gorilla style out in the world. And they're telling everyone else to join your course. So it brings you back to the top of your flywheel. And that continues to build the momentum as you grow the amount of customers and clients you have coming in the door. One of the best illustrations of this that I stumbled into early fairly early on, but didn't really recognize or appreciate the value of it until later, was my very first course was about guest blogging. It was about writing posts for other popular sites, all the way up to really big sites like Forbes. 
and Business Insider. And I created this course and it never occurred to me until like two years later to like track where people got published. Mm -hmm. So we then started going back and looking and taking screenshots of all of the articles published from all of our students on on all of the biggest sites in the world and literally collected hundreds of screenshots. And so whenever I would go to sell this particular course, I would just sit there and flip through the screenshots mm. toward the end and say, here's someone published on Forbes. Here's someone published on Scary Mommy. Here's someone published on Zen Habits. Here's someone, and so you just go, on and on and on and on and on. And by seeing that, other people had gotten the result that they were looking for, it became an irresistible pitch because of that. Absolutely. If you can prove it, then, and you can prove that your system works, I mean, that's half the battle, right? We actually created a wall of fame um, and it's at sunnyleonardizzi.com slash reviews. And this is like our best sales collateral because we have so many video testimonials and proof of how well our system works. So I understand people are skeptical. Skeptical, I was when I entered the online space. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand like who these gurus were. And it's really easy to make something look good even if it's not good. And so I have always valued those success stories, screenshots, like social proof over everything in my business because I know that's what scales the business the fastest. You can throw as much money at ads as you want, but if you have a crap product, you're just throwing money in the fire. It's true. And I mean, one of the most, the, the best things to advertise is actually those testimonials. Yes, so, like, yes. Once someone engages with your brand, if you can advertise testimonials and case studies, people have gotten amazing results with your products, people are immediately going to be a lot more likely to purchase absolutely. than they were before. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about so many different things here. I mean, I feel like this has been an incredibly value-packed episode for everyone. We talked about attention. We talked about um, trust, building trust, converting that trust into money and um, we also talked about I mean the way some of these different platforms work if you were going to give advice to someone who felt like they had a really valuable message to share and who wanted to break through the noise what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making that keeps that from happening Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say the biggest mistakes I see people making is they're very concerned with themselves and yeah. they think they think that they're the content they're going to put out is is amazing and they don't do the research to figure out if it's actually something that's needed or wanted. Mm. I would say that is the biggest mistake I see is that people are like, I want to do this and I'm going to talk about that instead of saying do you need this? Should I talk about that? Mm -hmm. um, is there a want for this in the marketplace or am I just making this up? Um, and I would say the other big mistake that kind of goes hand in hand is that people get really nervous when they see com competition or when they see people who have succeeded in a specific niche and they think, oh, there's no way I can do that because that person already owns it. 
It's not true. It's actually, I love seeing competition because that's proof of the success that you can have. And that person has already done a lot of the hard work for you and left a ton of success clues for where you can go. So I would say those two things are probably the most common mistakes, I guess, or just hurdles that a lot of people face. I I totally agree with those. I mean, those are kind of across platforms too, whether you're talking about written content, video content social media, whatever, those are two of the like mental mistakes yes. people make when they're going into that. So yeah, thank you for sharing those. Well, this has been amazing, Sunny. Is there, are there any last tips or advice you'd like to share with people? Anything we didn't cover that I can pull out of you before we let you go? <laughs> Um, not that I can think of really. I would just say the biggest thing to focus on, especially in the online world is you are your biggest differentiating factor. It sounds cheesy, but it really is the truth. Like people can copy your brand colors. People can copy fonts and logos and all of that stuff. They can even copy taglines, but no one can be you. And the more that you harness your differences and what makes you unique, the more success you're going to see and the more you're going to cut through the noise because nobody else looks, sounds, or acts the way that you do. Awesome. And where can people find you if they want to find you? You can find me at SunnyLeonardUzzi.com and of course on YouTube, YouTube.com slash SunnyLeonardUzzi. I've got so many videos up there with so many different tutorials. (laughs) It's good. I got caught in there one night. Let me... See what Sunny is doing, and like two hours later, I'm like, I just <laughs> went from good. video to video to video to video to video. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so, you, you were successful in your mission to thank capture you. my attention. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This is another episode of Breakthrough the Noise. <laughs>